0: Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. Hello and welcome to The Agenda. I'm Stephen Cole. A question of sanctions. This week, we're taking a closer look at the economic fallout from the crisis in Ukraine. The sanctions imposed on Russia since the beginning of the Ukraine conflict have been on an unprecedented scale and at an unprecedented speed too. But how exactly do they work and how do countries decide what sanctions to impose? With me now is Adam Smith and Adam is sanctions lawyer for the law firm Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher in Washington DC and a former senior sanctions official in the administration of President Obama. Adam, when it comes to sanctions, how do governments decide which areas to target
1: it's a good question uh, there is a usually a team that's involved in trying to figure out where these soft points are in various economies and so obviously going after russia is different than going after iran or north korea or otherwise uh, you sort of look at the economies look at these power structure and try to figure out if you were to push uh, economically to, pressure, to put pressure on the, uh, the, the economy, which areas of that economy are going to be most susceptible to that sort of pressure? Uh, so that's really the question, is to figure out what is sanctions going to deny an economy and are those denials going to lead to the economic pressure that you're after? And so in the context of Russia, looking at the energy sector, looking at the mining sector, looking at the defense sector, the banking sector, uh, looking at the oligarchs, all of that comes into play because the thought is that those are the levers to pull if what you're trying to do is pressure the Kremlin.
0: So they're looking at the most vulnerable areas, I suspect, but how effective uh, are sanctions in times of war? Well,
1: in times of war, it depends on how you're, what, what the success rate actually is that you're looking for. If what you're asking is, is there an impact of sanctions in times of war or frankly in times of peace? Uh, As you said in the intro, the collapse of the ruble, the closure of the Moscow Stock Exchange, the rise of interest rates, inflation, and and the rest in Russia, demonstrates that there at least is an immediate impact for sure. There is a harm that is being incurred by sanctions. If the question, however, is are sanctions effective in actually changing war strategy, changing, in this case, President Putin's desires with respect to Ukraine, that's a more challenging question and, frankly, one that I think uh, the jury is still very much out on.
0: And parts of the jury are still out on whether sanctions are effective or not. I just want to quote the former UN Secretary General Kofi Annan, who described sanctions, uh, quote, as a necessary middle ground between war and words. Is that opposite? Do you agree?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, sanctions are very much a, a war by other means. Uh, And I think sanctions are resorted to because war, kinetic action, actual boots on the ground are often not acceptable politically or viable when you're trying to figure out how to deal with a jurisdiction like Russia uh, that is so large, so powerful, and frankly has nuclear weapons. Uh, You don't really want to get into a NATO fighting war with Russia. So the question is, what are the other options on the table? And the reality is, fortunately or not, that there aren't that many other options other than sanctions.
0: President Xi Jinping of China has said that sweeping and indiscriminate sanctions only make the people suffer. But whatever sanctions are imposed, any government must try to bring the maximum force against a given administration, but without hurting the people of that country.
1: Can that balance be reached? Usually not. Uh, By that I mean that there's always, always collateral consequences. Uh, to say that you can really surgically target sanctions to only impact the elites or only impact decision makers with respect to be it Russia, be it Iran or what have you, it, is not accurate. Uh, the reality is that elites are often protected from the immediate impacts of sanctions. And, and the people on the streets, certainly poorer people that are less sort of susceptible to sort of having protections in place, so to speak, are going to be the ones that are, that are impacted. So I think it's very, very hard to calibrate sanctions to el- eliminate uh, the, the consequences to the average individual. You can reduce them for sure, uh, but eliminating I don't think is possible.
0: And the elephant in the room, Adam, I suppose, is, as you say, energy. The West needs Russian energy, doesn't it? And th- there must be a reluctance to affect that supply.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And so the, the, that's actually one of the big concerns I think many folks have Uh, that over time, that if we do not focus on energy, uh, the ability to really pressure President Putin will be limited. Uh, And of course, the challenge there is the Biden administration, and frankly, global communities desire to be unanimous. To have this multilateral approach with respect to russia and the u.s can can afford to limit to limit uh, oil imports gas imports from russia which they've already done Uh, europe as of now in the middle of winter beginning of spring perhaps cannot afford to do that Uh, and so that's the real challenge is how do you sort of really turn the screws on president putin if you're not willing uh, to turn the screws on perhaps his principal uh, export and source of hard currency
0: does russia have any sanctions weapons themselves
1: they do, they do, and this is another piece of, of, of the puzzle that is so interesting in the Russia context compared to any other jurisdiction that the West has ever sort of sanctioned, is that Russia has several cards to play on its own. The big one, as we already mentioned, is energy. Uh, that Russia could decide to throttle gas uh, into Europe, and that would be a significant sort of uh, risk, I think, for Europe, certainly in the near term. But the other piece that's interesting is that Russia has its own regulatory structures. And so because so many companies have exposure in Russia, the idea of sort of secondary sanctions or rather counter sanctions by Russia could perhaps leave companies in some sort of risks themselves. So for example, if Russia sort of makes it a criminal offense to comply with Western sanctions in Russia, any company that's left there is left in a very challenging perspective, a very challenging condition. Are they going to sort of comply with Russia sanctions, comply with US sanctions, risk criminal liability in Russia or whatnot? Other components of Russia sort of that they could sort of play is that you might've heard about Russia being pulled out of the swift uh, uh banking system, system swift yeah. communication system that is is was is sort of an interesting issue because it does limit the ability for russia to to sort of communicate to international banks but russia has its own domestic swift system that it could sort of build up and so one of the challenges i think from a sanctions perspective is are we going to push russia into sort of a non-dollar-based non-western financial sort of system uh in in a way that it will be hard for them to bring back uh, in in the future which is not really a sanction per se but certainly a consequence that the west to be very aware
0: of. Uh, Just doing a little bit of research, uh, uh, which showed that studies of more than 200 examples of sanctions since the 1930s showed at least two-thirds had failed to stop the aggressor while causing adverse side effects. So there is a downside to sanctions.
1: Without a doubt that sanctions uh, record is sort of uh, mixed, to say the least. Uh, But again, it really depends on what your measure of success is. If what you are saying is, is President Putin going to change his mind with respect to Ukraine in the immediate term? I think sanctions are not going to work in that context. I
0: think that personally targeted measures, sequestering the fortunes of leaders, are far more likely to work than wider sanctions, which affects whole nations, not least because they cause less collateral
1: damage, don't they? Right. So the oligarch sanctions are very interesting um, for, for exactly that reason. But the idea behind the oligarch sanctions, again, I think it's questionable how successful it will be. But certainly the idea behind the oligarch sanctions is that you can really target uh, parties that have a lot of money uh, and arguably or at least that the potentially some influence over President Putin or those around him. That If you pressure the oligarchs, you can potentially cause them to pressure President Putin indirectly. I think that, again, I think that's somewhat of a misguided notion, uh, depending on the oligarch.
0: So how do you ensure, then, that the sanctions are, in fact, complied with?
1: This is another piece that I'm finding very interesting about this most recent round of sanctions at the beginning of the Ukraine sort of invasion. Uh, two parts of it that to give me some hope. The first is that it's truly multilateral, right? Again, as I said, sanctions have been imposed since 2014. <clears throat> excuse me, since 2014, uh, in the after the Crimea incursion, but principally those sanctions were done by the United States. The Europeans were involved, but it was much more of a uh, piecemeal effort. I think is a safe way to to, to call it. But now it's truly multilateral right you've got the eu plus the uk the rest of the g7 including japan and canada even switzerland uh, have sort of gotten off the sidelines the neutral sidelines where they usually sit and started to impose sanctions as, as well so that's the first part that gives me some hope the other part is is sanctions after the implementation that's enforcement and here we're also seeing action uh even in europe where i think it's Fair to say that enforcement of sanctions has been fairly meek compared to what you saw on the other side of the Atlantic in the United States. You've already seen the uh, the Germans, the French, the Italians, the Spaniards move very aggressively against yachts, for example, of oligarchs. You've seen the Brits get off the sidelines as well and sort of really start attacking sort of the ability for Russians and frankly others to hide their money in assets like big uh, big properties in Belgravia and Kensington. Um, and so there's an enforcement piece here in addition to the multilateral piece It gives me some hope uh, with respect to enforcement. Whether it will happen, what will happen in the, uh, in the long term, I don't know, but certainly the, the, the signs are much more positive now that we'll see effective sanctions in a way that we perhaps never have before.
0: Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. Adam, the bottom line is, will these sanctions work?
1: I think not. Um, I think the problem with sanctions as a response is that the tool itself is much more slow-moving than war. Kinetic action literally moves often at the speed of sound, if not faster. Um, And that's what you're seeing on the ground. Even if the Russian troops are being bogged down, they're moving. moving. Whereas sanctions can take weeks, months, and in some cases even years, to build up the necessary pressure to move uh, the policy needle with respect to the parties that are being targeted. So I think in the immediate term, the likelihood of sanctions causing uh, you know, President Putin to rethink what's going on in Ukraine is very low. Also, because at the end of the day, President Putin has structured his Ukraine incursion as a legacy-defining action for him.
0: Sanctions lawyer Adam Smith, many thanks to you for joining us here on the agenda. My pleasure. In the short term, at least, it seems current Western sanctions have had a very real economic impact inside russia soaring inflation higher interest rates and the collapse in the value of the ruble but what is the longer-term effect on the russian economy likely to be joining me now is sergey alexashenko former deputy finance minister of the russian federation and a former deputy governor of the russian central bank sergey the central bank has said it faces a new perestroika or restructuring as it faces life under sanctions What exactly does that mean?
2: I would say that Central Bank is correct in its estimate that it's perestroika, but I would say it's the perestroika with minus sign in front. So what we see today is not only by the actions of the central bank, by by the decisions of the government, by the decisions of the president, is that they are distracting all pillars of the market economy. They try to impose control of price, price control, though it's based on the agreements with producers or with retailers, not by administrative orders. And the central bank imposes a very strict regulation of the uh, foreign exchange market, including capital control and not only capital control, but the current operations control. They impose the limitations on the import and export operations on the access to the financial markets, to the stock market. Uh, the market for the treasury bonds was closed for three and a half weeks. The uh, uh, households are banned to purchase foreign exchange. They cannot get uh, foreign exchange dollars or euros or pounds from their banking deposits. So what we see, it's really perestroika that is uh, destroying the pillars of the market economy in Russia.
0: Sergey, Russia's central bank held interest rates at a massive 20%. Uh, and inflation is running at a 24-year high, isn't it? that has to make life very hard indeed for the Russian people.
2: Yes, correct, yes, correct. And that is definitely the most evident impact of the it's okay, let's say, honest, it's the price of the war. It's not impact of the sanctions. It's the price that Russian people have to pay for supporting Vladimir Putin and his regime. I would say that definitely this is 20, 25 at least percent of inflation this year uh, will lead to significant decline in uh, living standards in real incomes, and it may be, I don't know, even 15% for this year. That's really a huge price for the war.
0: Um, Mr. Putin has frequently uh, said that Russia has substantial reserves. Will they be enough to combat sanctions?
2: I I would not say that uh, the amount of reserves or the amount of available reserves to the central bank is the key problem for today's Russia. Uh, The the current account of Russia is very strong and it's positive. That means that Russian export is usually uh, exceeds Russian import. And that means that inflow of the currency into the country is permanent and with a central bank that bans capital outflow and import outflow that allows Russian economy to have enough of a foreign exchange for the current transactions. Now, the problem for the Russian economy is, of course, devaluation of the ruble and inflation on the one hand, and different types of export bans, export limitations, export problems. So the biggest problem is not lack of reserves for the central bank, but lack of financial infrastructure for the Russian economy.
0: You talked about devaluation, uh, Sergei, the value of the ruble has gone to about a quarter of its value, by my estimation, the past month. Is that a trend you think is likely to continue? And if so, how do you prevent it from continuing?
2: Uh, Stephen, uh, you see, uh, I, I have to emphasize that the current exchange rate uh, of the ruble or of the dollar is very artificial because central bank limits many types of operations and not a lot of House. Okay. Households cannot officially purchase foreign exchange from the banks. That means it's uh, there is there is only black market and blah, blah, the black market rate for the dollar is 20, 25 percent higher than the official rate. Uh, many companies cannot purchase a foreign exchange for import operations uh, non-residents from 53 countries are not allowed to repatriate their profits uh, that they earned in Russian economy. So the current exchange rate of the ruble is very artificial. And if if we imagine the central bank will remove all those limitations, even with today's sanctions, with the today pressure, it, it, may, it may fall, I don't know, by another 20, 25, 30 percent. But on the other hand, if, for example, if central banks will reimpose the Soviet style of uh, foreign for exchange Uh, distribution sharing between importers, okay, uh, the exchange rate of the dollar may uh, may come down to the pre-crisis, pre-war level. So once again, if if the level of the exchange rate artificial, it is up to the central bank to decide where this level should be.
0: And what about servicing its European debt? Uh, Is there a risk of defaulting? And what impact could that have not just on Russia but on Europe too?
2: Uh, in my mind, it is up to the Russian Minister of Finance or Russian President to decide uh, if uh, there should be a default or not. So if Russian Minister of Finance wants to repay debt and wants to avoid uh, the default, it could be done. On the other hand, if Russian Minister of Finance, for some reasons, by the order of uh, President Putin, will decide to announce default, okay, it may happen. So, But in my mind, in my mind, uh, it would be a great mistake, uh, taking all, uh, all situations into account, taking all the conditions conditions uh, uh, existing in Russia. I believe it will be a big strategical mistake if Minister of Finance will decide to default.
0: Is there a danger that sanctions could bankrupt Russia, or is that some way off?
2: Mm, Stephen, I would not say so. I, I do not believe that even if freezing of all 100% of foreign exchange reserves of Russia, including uh, in Chinese, Renminbi will stop the war. Uh, The problem is the the foundation for my answer is that for the war, uh, President Putin uses stocks, stocks of weapons that were produced a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, 25 years, years ago. And he does not need to pay for the stock yeah, and all current expenditures for extra salaries for militaries, for extra fuel, maybe for extra food, they are not as big as uh, as it may occur as it may be seen from the from the west. so if if Russian economy will start to shake and it, if it will be visible uh, sooner, better than later, it may affect Putin's decision making.
0: But uh, however, the Ukraine conflict plays out, the Russian economy, Looks as though it's in pretty poor shape, and may be in pretty poor shape for some time to come, doesn't it? How do you think? Yeah. How do you think Moscow can turn that around? If if they could.
2: Stephen, you're absolutely right. Uh, the biggest, uh, okay, uh, then the principal uh, element of the answer on the Russian economy or the state of the economy and uh, will the war will be stopped or not is that the bulk of economic sanctions, mostly in structural uh, areas, in export bans and so on, they will intensify their pressure in the time being. For example, if uh, there is a ban on uh, import to Ru- uh, export to Russia of some components for the Russian car industry, Okay, the car uh, production will stop two three months from now, while before uh, uh, while when the stock of the components will expire. So the effect on the real sector of the economy of all sanctions will be visible maybe three six five uh, three six months later, and only by then by the end of this year we will be able to say how big will be decline in GDP, how big will be decline in living standards, and. Uh, the if the rest how, how Russian economy will, will cope after the war when uh, if and when the war will stop, uh, it a lot depends on the position of the Western countries first of all of the United States. So if if the West will stay on this position firmly that no sanctions removed until Russia compensate all damages, okay that means Russian economy will be in devastating situation. I, I would say something back to. 1980, 1985 situation. So it will be uh, completely isolated from the Western technologies, from the bulk of modern civilization, uh, infrastructure instruments, and it will be very poor conditions with no good solution.
0: Sergei Alexashenko, former Deputy Finance Minister of the Russian Federation. Many thanks to you for joining us here on The Agenda. Thank you, Stephen. Still to come here on The Agenda, paying more at the pumps, We'll consider what sanctions against Russia really mean for the global economy. Welcome back to The Agenda. Before the break, we looked in detail at the impact sanctions are having on the Russian economy. But of course, when sanctions are imposed on a country like Russia, with such a large global economic footprint, the ripples are felt across the world. Joining me now is Lorenzo Cardogno, visiting professor at the London School of Economics and former chief economist of the Italian Treasury. Welcome back to the agenda, Lorenzo. The really big economic issue for Europe going forward now is going to be energy prices. They've soared in the past few weeks from uh, pretty high levels to very high levels. How can that be tackled and is there a way out of, of that kind of rising price problem in the next few years? I mean,
3: it is a massive, massive problem. I mean, keep in mind that Russia is pretty important uh, in the global supply of energy products. Um, Russia accounts for 11% of global oil production, accounts for 19% of gas production, uh, and it accounts for 17% of solid fuel. So it is a massive producer. And, uh, and Europe is very much relying on the supply from Russia. Now, uh, I think the the shock will be massive. Um, it's, it's not only uh, on prices, which in my view are here to stay high, probably not higher, but high for a prolonged period of time. And, but it's also a matter of rationing. If, uh, um, if for whatever reason, for due to sanctions or due to decision by Russia to um, close the taps or so forth, I think there will be um, issue in terms of uh, security of supply. And um, if Russia decides to close the tap, it will be a massive problem for, for Europe because uh, there is no way that uh, Europe can easily replace Russian gas and other energy products exactly. in the near term.
0: The chair of the Bundestag's energy committee, Klaus Ernst, made it very clear about how he felt about energy sanctions when he talked to CGTN last week. Banning energy imports from Russia would be absurd. We rely on Russian imports for 50% of our energy. It would be like, like trying to attack someone else and punching yourself in the face. Lorenzo, is that how you feel about it?
3: It is. I mean, let's face it. I mean, uh, 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 the brutal aggression by Putin of Ukraine deserves a very strong uh, and immediate response by European politicians and European countries. But we have to be very careful because the damage, the economic damage for Europe might be more pronounced than for for Russia. And uh, so I think uh, European leaders for now seems to have decided uh, a, a gradual and cautious approach, meaning sharp reduction of uh, um, uh, energy inputs from Russia, but not uh, closing down uh, everything immediately, because that would, would not be feasible, simply would not be feasible. So my, my feeling is that there will be a strong drive to rely less and less on uh, Russia on any kind of uh, Um, uh, commodities, including, of course, energy, but it will be phased out, um, uh, it will be phased in uh, this process over a number of years, probably.
0: Lorenzo Codogno, many thanks to you for joining us here on the agenda. Thanks a lot. Coming up on a future agenda, heading to the polls, we'll examine the key issues facing the French as they look to elect their next president. But for now, from me, Stephen Cole, and all the Agenda team here in London, it's goodbye.